Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome wherever you are in our great country or around the world, like you heard on the promo. This is Judge Jim Gray, and I'm just proud to be with you. Always happy to share thoughts, share ideas, uh, share share different views. I don't agree with my guests always, and they don't agree with me, which is appropriate. And sometimes, in fact, on occasion, I even said it recently on one of our shows that our guest, I think, was more on point than I was. So I changed my view over toward more toward that. So that's just what we do here on All Rise, the libertarian way with Judge Jim Gray. Again, understanding that we employ libertarian values of responsibility of all things at every level of society, of live and let live, just just allow you to live your life as you choose, as long as it doesn't wrongly affect other adults' ability to do the same thing. Uh, don't tread on me, that sort of thing. But we have interesting guests, and I tell you, I've not let you down this week because we have my good friend, Leon Weinstein, who is a really unique individual person. He's the author of sociopolitical books. Uh, he does podcasts. He also is involved with, with creating videos. In fact, I've seen some that are pretty straightforward. But this man, was he's emigrated from the Soviet Union. Uh, he was raised in the Soviet Union, uh, worked actually, as I understand it, in film studio in St. Petersburg, which is the only place in Russia I have been. But boy, what an interesting place that is. And by the way, this is totally off the subject, but when I was in St. Petersburg, I saw this young man hawking some t-shirts and I looked at them. Oh, it, it said I bought one. It's on the front. It had the McDonald's M the, the golden arches. And on the front, it said McLennan's and on the back, it said the party's over. I thought, well, that was kind of cute. So one way or the other, I expect that Leon Weinstein would probably buy one of those t-shirts as well. But from actually then St. Petersburg, as I understand it, you went in, served in the Israeli army in 1975 to 77. Then you were the artistic director of the Tel Aviv Educational Theater for Children from 77 to 84. I'm reading your bio here, but from 18, 1984 to 86, you were actually staging plays for children in New York, including two at the Lincoln Center for Performing Arts. So this guy really has contacts. So before I keep going, I'm just happy to have Leon Weinstein with us. You were born and raised in what was then the Soviet Union, now is Russia. You are an immigrant who chose to come to live your life in the United States of America. I'm so pleased that you do. You're, you are what makes America great. Immigration, people that want to live, pursue the American dream, are making the United States of America a great country and have forever. So tell your audience a little bit about your background. Welcome, Leon Weinstein, and what led you to become with us in America? Hello, Judge. Hello. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you and your audience. Uh, I was really born and raised in the Soviet Union, and uh, I think I, I am a very lucky person, not because I was born here, but because I experienced many different uh, social, political societies. 
and ways to live. I lived in Israel, lived in Europe, lived in New York, and now I live in Los Angeles. It's a totally different way of uh, living there and here. And uh, let me tell you, it was my real choice. I wasn't born here. I was I didn't come as a refugee who just wanted to run from a particular place. I didn't care where to go. But I I really saw the world and really saw that the United States of America provides me and all us with the opportunities and, and possibility to live your life the way you really want to live. So it was a very conscious choice, and uh, I'm happy I made it. How did you end up serving in the Israeli army? Uh, how, did, how did that come about? Uh, look, I, I came to the... Uh, I, I emigrated from the Soviet Union, was kicked out. I don't know how to describe it better. Or, or The best description is as follows. You guys purchased me uh, uh-huh. as, as a Soviet citizen, uh, and you paid not in money, you paid in wheat. Uh, so uh, about one million uh, tons of wheat went to the Soviet Union. They, as usual, you know, socialists, they cannot feed themselves, so they need somebody to help them. Uh, so uh, you guys sent one million tons of wheat, and the uh, Soviets sent out 50,000, mostly Jews. So if you divide one million ton of, <laughs> tons of wheat by 50,000 people, you will find out that you purchased me for 20 tons of wheat wholesale. Yeah, uh, we we probably could have even spent more because we certainly gotten our money's worth. That much I can uh, no, say. No, no, guys, guys, you made a mistake. They would they they would do it for less. <laughs> we were totally worthless. Plus, we all had apartments. So the moment that they kicked us out, they uh, immediately went to live in our in our apartments. So well, it it was a <laughs> great bargain for them. Leon, let me be really blunt with you. Uh, we do that. Um, it, it, it's, it's dangerous, I know. Yeah, that, and that's true, particularly with this fellow. But but we're straightforward. Most people in the United States of America who were born here, like me, are not particularly concerned about our continuing loss of freedoms, our loss of our liberties. But people that were born in other countries and chose to come here see our government becoming much more like the governments that they, they fled from. Do you see this as well? And are you concerned about the way our liberties are being taken away, slowly, of course, by our government today? Uh, Judge, concern is not the word. We are very worried by we. I mean, uh, you know, among my friends, uh, of course, many ex-compatriots, people who came. I, I, I left Soviet Union in 73. Uh, my friends continued, continued, continued to leave the Soviet Union, and let's say uh, uh, most of them came here before the beginning of the century. So they they still saw uh, the United States maybe maybe with with eyes that do not, didn't see much of absence of English and first excitement and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But but still we saw the United States uh, with, as we thought, almost flawless society. And in the last 20 years, uh, one by one, we're getting stripped from our liberties. We're getting stripped from from uh, right to speak, right to gather, right to to. The, so many friends of mine, uh, you know, tell me right now that they cannot on their 
you know, workplace or, or place where they teach, they cannot open their mouths and say, for example, they do not agree with the Marxist doctrine. It's terrible. They're getting kicked out of, I have a couple, uh, couple of examples of people who were kicked out of their jobs because they were silent. It's not even, it's not even you speak against something which is, which is normal and supposed to be in the United States, right, in an open society. You think something, if you're not saying, let's kill this person or let's do something terrible, right? Uh, if you just voice your opinion, you, you, you're hurt. Uh, I'm not sure that many people are ready to die for my right to, to say things opposite of theirs, but at least they, they were ready to tolerate them, disagree but tolerate. Today it's total intolerance, and it's coming. It came first in my life. It came first from, from Hollywood. I had a friend, <clears throat> as you mentioned, I worked for movies, so many of my friends continue working in the movies, and one of them, for example, is a pretty known entity in Hollywood here. He called me, it was 15 years ago already, <clears throat> even more, I think it was 2000, 2001, something like that, and said, Leon, I have to, you know, cut our connection on LinkedIn. I said, why? Uh, and I know the person from, uh, I don't know, 1968 who worked at the same film, uh, Leningrad-Moscow production together. He was from Moscow, I was from Leningrad, we were both assistant directors, so we know each other for, for, for decades. And he said, you see, when they hire people now in Hollywood, they do not only look at the professional credentials, they also look at his political stance. I said, but your political stance, you're not... He said, no, no, no. They're looking into connections. If you see that, for example, I connect with you, who is very outspoken, you know, against any terror, any communism, any socialism, etc., etc., and they see that I didn't severe the ties with you, they will not hire me. I thought he was kidding. And, and many, many, many of my friends who are teaching, who are, you know, I'm at the age, I'm 70, and most of my friends, like, 60 plus, but they still hold positions, they still do things, they still teach, and they're all telling me that the atmosphere is terrible, and they... They cannot say anything against socialism and social way of life. And the, now, nowadays, uh, if you're silent, you're also an enemy. It's like in the Soviet Union. If you're not with us, you're against us. So it's, 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 it's what's going on right now. It's escalating and very bad. Yeah, it's it's of deep concern, uh, and and I I see this. I I had dinner last night with a friend of mine who actually buys apartment buildings, and then I was asking him, well, are you leasing them? He says, yes, but uh, we have to be careful in our terminology, Leon. You'll love this. That no longer do we say that this apartment has this is the master bedroom. Well, if you say master bedroom, that implies master and slave. So we certainly can't use the term master bedroom. And you can't have a walk-in closet, he said. I said, why in heaven's sake not? Oh, because some people are in wheelchairs. You know, we've, we've just taken this to extremes. But, but let, me, let me take about three steps backwards, and we'll come back into politics, uh, which is mm -hmm. basically the reason that, that we're talking here. But, but you have a background in theater. Uh, what is your background? How did you get involved with theater? What did you do? And I know you've been involved with, with uh, uh, studios in St. Petersburg, and then you were in Tel Aviv, like I said, in the educational theater, and even staging plays. But give us a little of your background, because it's just interesting. 
Okay, I can give you a long version that's about four hours. I can give you a short version that's like 40 minutes. I can give you a very short answer. I'll give you about two and a half minutes. Go right ahead. Take all the time you want. Uh, at age six, six, I decided that I will be the person who writes words and somebody else will say them. I didn't know how to call uh, myself, but later I understood I'm, I want to be a playwright. But I was fascinating, fascinated by a possibility to write something and or create something, and then somebody else has to say it. Don't know why, as a matter of fact. It's, it's a mystery. Uh, so since age six, I'm trying to do that. Uh, I did plays with children. I started uh, at school. I did plays with I wrote plays and staged them at school. Uh, not elementary, but starting from middle school approximately. I entered the my first college was Motion Picture Institute College. It was called, uh, and uh, I went there only because they had huge studio. It means technically they were greatly equipped, and no one was there writing uh, anything because they were technical people. So I was the only person who could reign there. I had twenty eager uh, technical guys who were running with cameras and etc. Very happy of someone finally directing them. So I spent a couple of years there, forgot to go to my uh, to my exams because I'm totally not a technical person. And now suddenly they're kicking me out of this place saying, okay, you're a great filmmaker, but we're not, we don't need you here. And at that time, uh, I was supposed to, in Russia, according to the Russian uh, Soviet rules, if you kicked out of uh, university uh, and you're over age 18, which I was, I, I graduated from school, I was 16, I believe, so I was 18 and a half at that time, uh, the, the uh, Soviet army was waiting for me. So I, I immediately began to arrange what to do, and somehow arrange it instead of kicking me out. I, I talked to several people to transfer transferring me into the University of Culture, it was called in Saint Petersburg. And and because I love to write uh, plays, uh, I I got uh, accepted into the they called it theater directors uh, and producers class or whatever it is, cathedra. And since that moment, I'm I am directing and writing and and uh, producing and so on and so on in the Soviet Union, Russia. In as a matter of fact, uh, I was present and I came back in 1990, uh when the perestroika started and Soviet Union began to collapse. And uh, befriended the mayor of Saint Petersburg at that time, and together we were thinking about the changing and finally changed the name of the city Leningrad into Saint Petersburg. So I have part Certainly. in that. Good. <laughs> Good. I'm sorry. Wow. So okay, I went. So... I went to Israel in 1973, uh, not knowing language, of course. I even didn't know they speak Hebrew. Wasn't sure because in the Soviet Union, you see, they don't have any information. It's like becoming here. If you if you were uh, listening only to certain stations and and watch certain uh, TV and read. Uh, certain newspapers, you will not know what's going on in the world. You will get only the version of the world that they're presenting together. Somehow they, they work together. So I uh, went to Israel, uh, spent a couple of years in Israel, got uh, without knowing 
really Hebrew uh, got uh, into the army because everyone in Israel has to go to the army. Uh-huh. Mm, I came there. I was 24, so not not a young guy, 17, 18. So they they took me not for three years like in Israel, everybody else, but for a year and a half. For, they take people like me into the half kind of half time. And how many, how many as, pounds of wheat did they pay you for this? Uh, no, no, no. They, in Israel, they, they don't. <laughs> pay. They send you to desert and say, and they say to you, survive, man, survive. <laughs> that was my attempt and, at humor, Leon. But, but yeah, I, yeah. I know that you were able to stage several plays for children in New York, which is not an easy thing to do. And you're telling us that you are creative. And, and you know, I. I wrote a musical called American Saul, which my first, right. and uh, it was just an amazing experience to me, Leon, to be sitting in the audience and hearing somebody say some lyrics and thinking, that sounds from, oh yeah, I wrote that. It's just <laughs> an amazing experience to feel that. Yes. Not many it's people a- have been able to do, but but so uh, I've, I've written a second musical. It's called Convention, the Birth of America. It's about our constitutional convention, but have not been able to get it staged. Uh, tell me, it's just the two of us talking here, of course, but but... What should I do to try to get exposure to get this musical, which I'm really proud of, oh, it's very, on stage? It's very easy. It's today. It's very easy. First of all, you change all the uh, all the people who are doing anything in your musical musical to African Americans, so Africa to, to blacks. Now you go to the Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They have plenty of money. And you say <laughs> that uh, you <laughs> want to stage that and present them with, with the script. I, I'm truly sorry I asked. Okay. There we go. Okay. Well, you but you've become a political activist, and I say that in a complimentary fashion. Uh, you've right. written a political novel, as I understand it, called Looking for Hugh, H-U-G-H, which in a lot of ways I see as a textbook for capitalism. But tell us, tell us about your book, Looking for Hugh. I, I basically view that as, uh, and tell us your views of capitalism. Leon Weinstein. Uh, look, uh, as I said, I was writing since I was, since I was six. Uh, and when I came to Israel, uh, I, I didn't know where to go in order to get fin- finances or sponsorship or whatever. So what I did, I wrote a play for children uh, with uh, several actors. Why for children is because somebody told me it's easiest thing here in Israel is to everybody loves children. Jews love children, so write something, do something for children, it will be easy to sell. What does it mean to sell? I didn't understand because I was from the Soviet Union. It's too long to explain why we're in the Soviet Union, didn't know that everything is salesmanship. But uh. but take it as a true. Uh, so I, I invited, uh, in my play, I had five or six, I don't remember, actors. I, I found emigrants like myself who were, you know, waiting for the moment to do something, actors, directors, etc. And uh, I began to rehearse with them. At a certain point, they understood that uh, I don't have money, I don't have any, any idea where to go with that. And one by one, they left, except one drunk actor and my wife. 
at that point, I began to think that uh, I still want to do something with the material because we're invested in that. So I said to myself, okay, I'll do with two actors what I wanted to do with five. They will change children. Kids are very easy change. Uh, you can change their perception or say, okay, now I am I am a queen. Now I am a soldier. Now I'm a... And you, you sure. behave a little bit different or you put on your little different hat and they kind of, they, they see it. They, they, it it's for them, it's a game. It's, it's, it's an interesting experience. So they follow you. So I staged this play with, with two plays for six uh, you know, characters, with two of them, and uh, then uh, knocked the doors of several schools and offered them for free a show. Uh, so eight times we uh, did this uh, show for free, and apparently principals and, and teachers were sharing experience with other people, other principals, and suddenly we received about 2,000 invitations. Uh, and we played this uh, this this uh, story that was called the the princess and the robber. We played it two thousand times. Oh. Uh, at that time, I began to think, wait a second. And I, I we were taking we were asking for money that that barely enough for to get on the bus and get ticket, you know, to go to to go there. So at that time, I began to think, wait a second. If there's such a demand, probably I can raise price. <laughs> <laughs> and probably I can I can create another product to add to that. So I created finally six plays, a series of six plays, and began to sell to schools a one year subscription for six plays with their children. And plays were very interactive, so everyone was happy. So we become the uh, number one producing theater in the history of Israel, and I suspect the world <laughs> because you know you're you're an entrepreneur. You, yeah, in, what, I, I what found out. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So ca- coming to to now, to, when I came and see that the Americans do not understand that they build the best society in the world, they just say they say the words, but they kind of think that the words are meaningless. Like, oh, I love that. I don't understand what does it mean. We are the bravest nation. Who knows what does it mean? Uh, so I began to try to explain to Americans that. Please don't change what you, you have. Or if change, please like improve a little bit. Don't fundamentally change anything. And in the process of that, I hear a senator uh, who wants to run or running for the president by the name Barack Obama, who is saying, I'm going to fundamentally change the United States of America. And I said, no, please don't. Please don't. I began to you know, run to different groups of, of Republicans and uh, Democrats, uh, talk to them. Um, try to explain, uh, r- r- write, uh, make videos, etc., etc. And finally, I wrote this book. Why I started with children? This story is because the book is in 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 the realm that I wrote many plays, teenager realm. So I know it very well. I know I know how teenagers behave. I know how they think. Ah, I know how they think. No one knows how they think because they don't think. But I know how they behave. <laughs> Sure. So uh, I wrote it pretending it's about teenagers or for teenagers. Actually, it's it's for both children because there is there's, it's an action adventure, but action adventure built the way that you understand the the hero goes from one island to another island in the Thousand Island Empire and encounters different forms of not capitalism, socialism, fascism, different socialism, different 
ideas, etc., etc. And every and we go through all these islands with all those ideas, and and we see that nothing really works except mm. when he comes home and sees America again. Okay. And that's looking for Hugh. Where can people find that book, Leon Weinstein? You, uh, Amazon, you creative Amazon artist. Sells it, uh, yeah, I, I would suggest the uh, electronic version. I believe two ninety nine or two ninety five or something like that. Uh, the books they sell for much more. I even don't remember right now for how much. Uh, there is together with this book I wrote after that Capitalism One O One, which is the same thing written. The same same thing says as in the Hue, but in a non uh, non fiction way. So you're telling me that you were comparing and contrasting different different approaches to life, different systems, and somehow or other, the other systems didn't work at all, or certainly not as well as capitalism. Uh, I I would I'd take that to market. You're, it just this is. Capitalism has brought people out of poverty. It was Milton Friedman that said that no people have ever been raised out of poverty except through a system of free enterprise and private property rights. I assume that you you're, that's your experience and you're saying that, but through a children's book. Is that, am I correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's, it's really a great way of doing this. What has been the response to your book, Looking for You? I, I self-published it, so not a lot. I, I sold a couple, maybe 3,000 of copies, uh, and that's it. Mm. Okay, well, people, I think, people, particularly with the way schools seem to be teaching today, where they're gravitating toward glorifying socialism. By the way, talk to Venezuela about that and see how well it works. But, but uh, try to get come up with this book again. Uh, I, I asked you before, but I didn't quite understand, Leon. You've written this book, Looking for Hugh. Where can interested people find it? Uh, Amazon.com. Oh, okay. Good enough. Uh, so that's, that's pretty straightforward. You can find my books there too, by the way. That's an extra plug. Well, we're going to come back in just a minute or so uh, after hearing a few words. And uh, we're going to talk to this really interesting man who's seen a great deal. Uh, I have watched in preparation for this interview, a 38-minute video of Leon Weinstein, who is our guest, giving a speech as if you were President Trump, as you were as if you were running for re-election. So we're going to talk about that, a little bit of uh, humor, a little bit of scary, uh, a little bit of politics after these words. So stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit LP.org today 
to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back with us. This is Judge Jim Gray on All Rise, again with the idea that if we explore issues, talk about issues openly, we'll learn from each other, and we will all rise together. That's what I'm doing with regard to Leon Weinstein, who's just an interesting man. He has a different perspective. He's arrived at some of a lot of the same conclusions that I have. But before we come back to him and and continue the conversation, Leon, uh, my wife has asked that uh, I try to insert a little bit of intentional humor as opposed to maybe unintentional. And usually (laughs) I do it right now. I'm interested in lexophiles, which are kind of play on words. So I I heard recently that a dentist and a manicurist got married, and now they fight tooth and nail. That's there's, like we say, there's the obligatory chuckle from my guests. So, so thank yeah. you for that support, Leon. But one way or the other. So as I said before the break, uh, you are an interesting man. You are not bashful. Uh, you, you are direct. You're experienced. You certainly have a perspective. And so you, I watched this, and you, you showed it to me, this 38-minute video uh, on YouTube. And you were giving a speech as if you were President Trump as he is running for re-election. So tell us about that video and what caused you to make it. Uh, you see, I do believe uh, that this election is really very important. That I know that every election, you know, every side tries to say that this is the really most important election, blah, 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 in the generations, etc. But my opinion is that this one is in particular important. And uh, it's in particular important because we now see uh, two very, very different uh, philosophies, points of view, views of the world that are represented by two sides. Uh, And uh, I'm really scared of what I see on the left side. I am uh, am an almost libertarian right now in all my way, almost because I differ in in a couple of small issues like immigration, etc. And for example, I cannot imagine how we can open our borders if we continue having our welfare system, right? The libertarians say, don't even think about it, we need to open borders. So that's that's my differences. A couple of more like that. Uh, So... uh, what 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 I'm looking right now is the the left side went so much left uh, that they now resemble very much the Soviet Union. Uh, they demand absolute, uh, you know, as as I said already, if you're not with us, you're against us. So uh, you know, shut up uh, and and praise us. Uh, they they now say that one race is is more important than others. Uh, they they now say that we need to take as much as possible from you guys who produce 
even if we say that that son is responsible for his father, I even have to say that last time uh, I had something to do with slavery was in Egypt when my you know relatives were enslaved. But I'm not sure any one of them were slave owner. So why should I pay to someone or do something to someone whose great grandmother was was I don't know a slave? Uh, I am scared on the way they demanded. I am scared on the way that uh, the whole Democratic Party is moving away from from uh, being non-racist, uh, non-anti-Semitic, because the party becomes more and more anti-Semitic. Maybe inside of their hearts they're not, but they allow uh, certain people in their party, certain leaders in their party, proclaim totally anti-Semitic things, and they're not contradict them, and even do not allow uh, to stop them. So uh, the, the, the 30 mayors of the cities where riots were are Democrats, all, all in democratic cities. It makes me kind of wonder why uh, riots always in the city that's run by Democrats. For some reason, Democrats not allowing police to interfere. I don't know why. Uh, maybe they can explain it to us. Maybe there is a reason, but 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 uh, we didn't see, we didn't hear the explanation. The moment the federal government comes to one of them and says, "Hey, we can help," uh, the mayor said, "Get out of my city, my city. Get out of my city." Yeah? So my America, my state. I don't know. It's not her city, in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, other things are totally terrible. They are not allowing children or parents to take their children to the schools of their choice, which is a, one of my most important subjects, uh, they, they demand that everyone will get bad health care by, by taking from private hands and giving it to to the uh, you know, hands of the government. England can attest to what happened to their, uh, to the, to their health care. In Toronto, in 
to show that you can live without the king. So I wrote my book uh, adding to what, what was written by Thomas Pine, 230 years of experience advocating that we can live without the government, not uh, not without rule of law, without government that governs us. Because in my opinion, my opinion, the so-called government supposed to do one and only thing. They're like manager of a supermarket where I come and they're supposed to provide us Nice atmosphere, clean uh, stuff, clean shelves, a lot of food, blah, 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 but cannot come and tell to me that I have to, to drive another car. My son or daughter can, cannot go there, etc. They you, cannot order me Or to, order or to me tell around. you that you have to buy this can of green beans instead of that uh, can of corn. Right, I, I, right, you know, right, right. I, of it's course. Not there. Well, let me... Let me let me go back a little bit because we're covering a great deal of ground, and we broadcast on August 21st to Dr. Joe Jorgensen, who is the Libertarian candidate for president in this in this election. Proud to say it. I can also say that that most libertarians, I think, agree with me with regard to immigration. And by the way, again, Leon, we're so glad that you immigrated to the United States and pursuing the American dream. It's what makes us strong. But as long as we have a welfare state. Most of them would not open the borders. We would have controls, allow people here to get work visas, but not to be able to get public assistance. And uh, that's, that's, I think, a refinement that's appropriate. Uh, if we didn't Great. have a welfare state, I think that things would be different. But, but we are now broadcasting this, this interview on September 11, uh, 2020, of course, but 9-11. Uh, I view back on 9-11 that the government has used fear, and of course, 9-11 was a terrible thing and a tragedy and the rest, but they used that, for example, to pass the so-called Patriot Act, which I also understand had been written a year or two before and was sitting on the shelf just waiting for the opportunity to use this, what I view as a direct frontal assault upon our civil liberties. Uh, it is now 9-11 today. Uh, what is your view with regard to whether government here in our country uses fear and about our, our liberties? Are they being eroded, like I believe, Leon Weinstein? Uh, government always uses fear. This is the way to govern us. This is the way to make us heard. This is the way to make us sit home with with masks on our faces and and shut up and not do anything and allow government to do what's easier for them to do. Because all, all that they did during these 230 or plus years is to make it easier for them to govern. They're changing laws bit by bit, here and there. It was created in order to make it very hard to govern. But they're trying to do it easier, and they always find an audience whom they can tell, oh, this is, this is very important because this is or that enemy, or this or that uh, terrible person, or this or that terrible something. Uh, will, you will lose your freedoms, uh, or you will lose your security, and usually they kind of point on security in order to get freedom from you. Uh, it's everyone knows, right? The 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 the, the saying, uh, famous saying that if you choose, uh, you know, security over freedom, you lose both of them. It's true. It's absolutely true. It's what happened to the Soviet Union, to Czechoslovakia, to uh, North Korea, to Venezuela, etc., etc., etc. It's all the story about the same thing. Pro 
promises, promises, promises. People believe in promises, then fear, fear, fear. People, you know, feel cornered and they say, okay, okay, temporary, do something in order to ease our fears. And then, boom, it never goes away. And then finally, you usually have gulags at the end. Do you think that any politician ever, Leon Weinstein, will declare that the war on terror is now over? You ever see that happening? I mean, that it just you bring in this fear, they bring in this war on terror, they bring in this assault on our liberties, and then it never goes away. It just continues to get worse. I, I wrote a book on drug policy and have a chapter in there. It's called Why Our Drug Laws Have Failed. And I have a chapter showing how we've lost our civil liberties just because of prosecutions of drug cases. And, uh, you know, we, we just that's that's just what what continues to happen. But we, we don't have a whole lot of time left. I'd like because I know one of your issues and you mentioned it a few moments ago is school choice. It's bringing competition into schools. This is decidedly a libertarian issue. I view it as one of the most important issues facing our country today because we have so many government schools failing our children, usually in the lower economic areas, which unfortunately translates to a lot of African-Americans and Hispanics who are beginning to understand. But how did you come to this this understanding of school choice? Why is this issue to you, and what can we do about it? Uh, my, as I said, my background. I I or, um, I created this educational theater for youth in Tel Aviv, and was head of that for for several years. And I tried to educate through arts and begin to try to understand in Israel then in the United States of America because I I did several of my plays in the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts and then in Jewish Museum in Tel Aviv and then here in Los Angeles in LATC Los Angeles Theater Center and kind of uh, I liked it a lot in Los Angeles and stayed here. Uh, so uh, I always try to find out how to educate uh, children through games, through different ways. And I, I traveled and talked with a lot of teachers, and suddenly I realized that American schools built exactly a system like in the Soviet Union. You live in a certain area, and you have to go to this school. And I was asking, and if school is terrible, oh, if you, if you, you, you can go to private school. How much is a private school? $30,000. Whoa. Uh, but if I don't, so you're stuck with this school. And if my teacher is terrible, what can I do? Nothing. Why? Because the union is not allowing to kick out any teachers. Okay, if this teacher is wonderful, I want to be with this teacher. Uh, no, you cannot do it because we cannot pay more money to a good teacher. He is not or she is not along with our school only because of the years at school. So, so when I saw all that, when I understood all that, I said to myself, they're preventing our children to to become successful. This is the reason why in many cities, you know, kids at age 15, 16 do not read. They cannot count in their head. Two plus two, they have to take calculator. They, therefore, they cannot ever get a good job because good job means you need to educate yourself or at least listen to someone instructor and he will educate you. So the, the situation is absolutely terrible for those who are not in the very good neighborhoods that automatically, you know, better teachers and a good neighborhood, or do not have at least money to pay for the Catholic school or, or other religious school, which is about 12, 15,000 a year instead of 30. So you're totally disadvantaged. You cannot move your children and, and you cannot do anything. Uh, and at, at, at the households where they do not have 
education and understanding what education does, they do not have this push from the feminists. Plus, 86 or 76% of all black kids right now born in, out of wedlock marriages. We, we succeeded with our welfare, terrible welfare system, uh, bringing birth out of the wedlock in the uh, Latina community to 50%. That was unheard of 20 years ago. It was a shame. Now they proudly say, oh, I don't have husband. I have three kids. I am getting that and that amount from the government very happily. Okay. Well, we'll it's come, terrible. We'll come, we'll come back to that one, and that's, that's on my list of things to talk to you about as well. You've, you've outlined a, a lot of problems. What is the program of school choice that you believe would address those and overcome them, Leon Weinstein? Uh, vouchers only, only vouchers, only possibility you give to the parent a piece of paper that he or she can take to any school of their choice, and you say to schools, guys, fight for the money. And you will see, or you will see, I've read what you've written, I've, I, I know that you're totally on this side, but, but you know, America will see the fantastic uh, you know, burst of energy from this sector. We'll have finally kids that can do things that we now try to find foreign specialists in India, in, in Vietnam, in, in the ex-Soviet Union, in Ukraine to bring here in order to do things that we have millions of kids who, who are sitting at home or, or sitting at the street doing who knows that, uh, destined to go to, to prison or, or to go to, to very low you know, paying job, instead of educating them, we're bringing people from abroad. We have to, because we're sure. a new economy, and our kids don't understand anything and cannot learn. That's the problem. The school is a total waste of time for them. So I, well, I think it's imperative, and one of the three most important and most, most, you know, dangerous areas that we need to start addressing. Yes, in fact. Um, we had a while ago on All Rise uh, a person from, from Milton Friedman's, it was originally the Friedman Foundation, now it's called Ed Choice, and uh, he just did a marvelous job in, in talking about this. It's really an unnecessary tragedy that, that we are facing. So let's let's move on, because you did mention, and I know you're hey, you're not afraid to speak the truth. Our, our, our audience has heard you Go forward saying some somewhat controversial things rather straightforwardly, which we do on All Rise. We do as libertarians, and, and uh, uh, you are a natural libertarian from what you have said. But one of the issues on your video was one that you were just talking about, uh, is the argument that 78% of all – I mean, this is this is a staggering statistic, and, and I believe it, it's certainly in the ballpark. But 78% of all African-American children born in our country today are born to an unwed mother. And there are many fathers of black, the black community that I've seen interviewed. Oh, George, how many children do you have? Oh, I have 17. By how many mothers? Oh, eight. You know, that sort of thing. It's a it's simply something that's setting up these children for failure. So so that's one of the big tragedies of the Bill Cosby case, from my standpoint, because he was able, of course, he was convicted of some awful sex offenses, but was talking to the black community saying it's their largest failing. Uh, do you see any progress being made? And, and it's hard for me, I'm an old white guy, to look with them and, and say, well, a lot of the blame is because you don't have father role models for your children. But but what can we do? How can how can all of us get involved in this critically important issue? Because it really matters. 
Look, uh, this is one of the things that no politician will be able to do just because they're politicians. Uh, we need to stop idiotic practice of paying for kids, or at least the way we do it. I'm not saying do not support, do not help, etc. We need to rethink how we help them, because today we stimulate uh, births of, uh, you know, not wet mothers, yeah, single mother, they call it. Uh, we stimulate it. Today we stimulate, for example, right now, we stimulate people not to go back to work because uh, we pay unemployed $600 a week, uh, which is uh, in many instances more than they were receiving before when they were working. So they know that if they will go back to work, they will lose money. So we need to think about all our fiscal uh, policies, all our social policies, uh, from the point of view of stimul. That's, as a matter of fact, that's what I liked with Trump when he started running, because I, I've heard that incentive and stimul uh, mentioned him many times in the years before uh, he, he, he ran for the president. And he was advising, you know, different people, including uh, uh, committees on, um, in Congress about do not take uh, stimul and, and incentive out of our laws. So that's, that's what's very important. If you have stimul to go to the left side, you go to the left side. Because we people tend to run out of bad things like we perceive them toward good things. So if a good thing uh, for you is to receive money uh, you know, for three children that you have without marrying the husband, you do that. But if, if it will be opposite, you will marry the husband. Or if you will suffer because because you know, give birth without without husband or perceived suffer, you will not do that. So it's 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 terrible what we're doing. The policies well, the, the welfare Leon, policies in this country Leon Weinstein. Terrible. Leon Weinstein, you're not telling me that incentives matter, are you? You're you're not you're not possibly saying that. Uh, no, no, oh, absolutely goodness. not. We need to stop doing that and become Soviet <laughs> Union. Absolutely. You know, I, I saw and again it's just it's the reality I heard that a young lady, she was African-American, was being interviewed, and she was acknowledging that she was having unprotected sex with her boyfriend. And they were saying, well, what are you going to do if you get a child? And her immediate answer was, Leon, well, I'll just get to go to AFDC, and they will start paying me some money. I'll have my own household. I mean, that's right. the incentive. And the incentive also in today's welfare state is not for the husband, not for the father of her children to live with them, because then they'll lose more money in their welfare system than they would gain actually by going out and working. So it's just a crazy situation. Welfare is a trap. And I, I tell people, I was in the Peace Corps, I care about people. I want you to get off welfare because I care about you. But we've got to get change the incentives to have people have an incentive to get a job, earn the extra dollar, uh, while also employing what I would call Milton Friedman's safety net, because uh, I think, not because we have to, not because somebody is alive, do I owe them any money, but we're compassionate people. But then include an incentive program to have them want to better themselves instead of want to stay home, like you're saying, with now uh, uh, people that are being paid to not to go back to work. So now I'm afraid to go back to work. Well, why not? Because I have an economic incentive to stay home. So yes, incentives matter. And go back to Milton Friedman, I say this often on All Rise, but that we should judge our programs by the results, not their good intentions. 
good intentions, maybe, oh, AFDC will take care of children. The result is you're encouraging more unwed pregnancies, unwed mothers. Yep. So you have bringing your background and your competition into the healthcare field. It's pretty much the same, I'm assuming. Another huge libertarian issue. You have taken this public. Uh, what would you do with regard to our healthcare system? First of all, uh, I would uh, totally destroy the uh, so-called medical insurance system in this country. But destroy, I mean, I will create an alternative so people would want to leave them. Because in my opinion, uh, we're paying huge amount of money to doctors, to hospitals, etc. Uh, without being in charge of that, uh, I go to a doctor, I have no idea how much it costs. I go to a hospital, I have no idea how much it costs. Somebody else paying them, so I'm not their client. They don't care for me. It means they, they care more or less a little bit, yeah, but they don't care because I'm not the person who pays. I'm not the person uh, who – they don't have any incentive to do something good to me. If I would be, uh, let's say, insured like insurance because today it's not an insurance. Like insurance is like a fire insurance. If you have fire you're getting paid, but if you if you have broken uh, I don't know door, the fire insurance doesn't come to to change the door. So why why so-called health insurance built differently? All insurances in the world build the same way. If you have Indeed. so-called situation, Leon, you know, you're, they, you're you're on a roll here. We're we're out of time. You you've shown <laughs> why you're a thoughtful fellow. You have a real background. You're a successful man, and you've become a libertarian because it's what works. Milton Friedman was just right. You know, let's employ programs that work, judge them accordingly. And that's what Leon Weinstein has told you and told us for this past hour from his perspective. I assume, and I can give you about maybe 10 seconds, but I assume you're optimistic about our future and our chosen land here in America, Leon Weinstein? I hope that we will overcome what's going on right now as socialistic, the, 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 the attempt to, for, of socialists to take over our country. I hope we will go over that. I hope that uh, all these people who are trying to take from us as much as possible and give to others without with thinking about themselves first, that we are not going to vote for them and we'll take them out of the Congress, Senate, etc., etc. And I, 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 I trust America has sense, common sense, and will go the capitalistic way, the free market way, as it was intended in the it's beginning. who we are, Leon. Again, I'm proud to ha be a fellow American with you. Thank you for sharing these thoughts with us. And please, folks, tune in again next week when All Rise will be back with you again with another interesting guest. In the meantime, this is Judge Jim Gray saying, like I always do, life is good. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my bonds, that help us control. We are American law. Strengthen my bonds, that help us control.